0: The first time it happened, I was sleeping and woke up because I felt a hand on my leg. And I realized that I couldn't move. And he come across this object on the ground, which was the shape of a flying saucer. So he jumped out of his pickup and went down there. And there was four beings laying on the ground. When I raised my head back up, I was turning my head. And out of my peripheral vision, I seen something hop to a tree. And it was tall, about 7-8 foot tall, and it was black, real hairy, like a gorilla. The first thing we saw was this winged creature, 14-foot wingspan at least. It was huge. It almost covered half the road. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nick. The Pine Barrens of Southern New Jersey is a vast wilderness of immense beauty and tremendous solitude. It is the largest body of open land on the mid-Atlantic seaboard between Richmond, Virginia and Boston, Massachusetts. This location is home to the Pinelands National Reserve, which contains 1.1 million acres of pristine forest, and the Pine Barrens share a large portion of this reserve early settlers of the Pine Barrens referred to themselves as Pineys, and included Quakers, outlaws, and even smugglers. The soil of the Pine Barrens was sandy, acidic, and not suitable for farming. It was later discovered, though, that a natural reservoir of pure, sterile water was hidden beneath the pines, and was desired by travelers in need of potable water. In the 1800s, an industrialist by the name of Joseph Wharton acquired 100,000 acres of the Pine Barrens, and sought to transport the water through a canal in order to replace Philadelphia's unsuitable drinking water. The New Jersey legislature denied Wharton's request to export the water, and the land that Wharton once owned is now known as the Wharton State Forest. Many generations of families have lived off the land in the Pine Barrens, and deserted villages are now scattered throughout the region. A few of the towns have been restored to their former beauty, but the majority of the structures have been reclaimed by the flora and fauna. Throughout the centuries, the Pine Barrens, and in particular the Wharton State Forest, have become the epicenter and home to one of the most famous cryptid creatures in history, known as the Jersey Devil. As legend has it, in 1735, A Pines resident known as Mother Leeds found herself pregnant for the thirteenth time. Leeds is the name of one of New Jersey's earliest settlers, and many descendants of the Leeds family can still be found throughout New Jersey to this day. Mother Leeds was not living a wealthy lifestyle by any means. Upon learning of her thirteenth child, she raised her hands to the heavens and proclaimed, Let this one be a devil. A few months later, on a severely stormy night, Mother Leeds went into labor, no longer mindful of the curse she had uttered months earlier. Her children and husband huddled together in one room of their Leeds Point home, while local midwives gathered to deliver the baby in another. By all accounts, the birth went routinely, and the 13th Leeds child was a seemingly normal baby boy. Within minutes, however... Mother Leed's unholy wish of months before began to come true. The baby started to change right before her very eyes. Within moments, it transformed from a beautiful newborn into a hideous creature. It sprouted horns from the top of its head, and talon-like claws tore through the tips of its fingers. Leathery, bat-like wings unfurled from its back, and hair sprouted all over the child's body. Its eyes began glowing bright red as they grew larger in the monster's skull. The creature savagely attacked its own mother, killing her and then turning its attention to the rest of the horrified onlookers, maiming some and killing others. The monster then knocked down the door to the next room, where its own father and siblings cowered in fear. The beast sprinted to the chimney and flew up it, The creature then disappeared into the darkness of the Pine Barrens, where it has lived ever since. To this day, the creature, known as the Leeds Devil, claims the pines as its own and terrorizes any who are unfortunate enough to encounter it. Other versions of this story say that the mother's name was actually Mrs. Showards, not Leeds. Furthermore, some say that the child resembled a devil as soon as it was born, as well as being born in another town altogether. Some even say that the father of the child was indeed the devil himself. Some of the descriptions of the creature vary, but the majority of eyewitnesses describe it as having the head of a horse or dragon, leathery bat-like wings, short forearms, a devil-like tail, and long back legs with cloven hooves. It is said to sit in the tops of trees in order to stalk its prey and on numerous accounts, it has been witnessed standing on the rooftops of people's homes. Some witnesses also claim to have been chased while hearing the loud flapping sound of the creature's wings close above them. As far-fetched as the description and origin of the Jersey Devil may sound, it's important to note that encounters with this creature are not confined to certain religions, beliefs, or backgrounds, In fact, the only common variable across eyewitness reports is the general location and description of the creature. When digging into the history of the Leeds name, we find that there is documented proof of a woman by the last name of Leeds in New Jersey that did in fact bear 13 children. I wasn't able to obtain additional information regarding the 13th birth, but based on the information I did find, it's safe to say ...that at least a portion of this legend is true. To this day, many relatives of the Leeds family still reside in the New Jersey area... ...and believe that they too have had encounters with the Jersey Devil. Even Native Americans believed that the Pine Barrens was home to a strange creature... ...and they referred to the land as Papuessing, which means the place of the dragon. Many Swedish explorers that frequented this area named the Pine Barrens Drake Kill, which translates into Dragon River. Over the centuries, there have been hundreds of sightings witnessed by well-respected people. In fact, the legend has become so ingrained in the mythology and history of New Jersey that annual events, barbecues, and museums play host to thousands of visitors each year. Furthermore, the NHL hockey team, known as the Kansas City Scouts, was moved to East Rutherford, New Jersey, in 1982, and was renamed as the New Jersey Devils. Rarely is a phenomenon so impactful that it alters the very culture of the state in which it occurs. This alone is reason to take a second look at the stories and eyewitness testimonies surrounding one of America's most well-known monsters. The people of New Jersey deserve to have their stories heard. And it's important to remember that even the strangest stories usually begin with a grain of truth. In part two of the Jersey Devil, we'll begin delving into the strange accounts that have been witnessed by folks in and around the New Jersey area. We'll also take a closer look at some of the theories and explanations that people have come up with. We'll be talking about all that and more on Friday's episode. I hope to see you there. As always, get a hold of me at mythicradio at gmail.com if you guys have a story or question for me regarding the Jersey Devil, or just visit mythicradio.com and click on the Tell Your Story link. Please click the follow and like buttons. I appreciate you being here with me today, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode on Friday. From all of us at Mythic Radio, thanks for listening, and remember... Don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it. In part one of the Jersey Devil, we briefly discussed the origin and history of the creature. Today we're going to continue that journey with some additional background, as well as eyewitness accounts. As we discussed in episode 20... The bizarre circumstances that surround the Jersey Devil's origin back in 1735 are hard to comprehend at best. Mother Leeds, the woman that supposedly gave birth to this creature, was said by some to be a witch. Many believe that it was her interest in witchcraft and demonic worship that caused her to curse her thirteenth child. Some stories say that the entire Leeds family displayed odd characteristics and kept to themselves in an ominous way. As I stated in Part 1, many descendants of the Leeds family still call New Jersey home. While these stories may be fun and provocative to talk about, it's important that we remember that the people that bear the Leeds name deserve respect. This is something that every investigator should think about when documenting these stories. These, of course, are all speculations, and we may never know the actual circumstances surrounding the creation of this legendary monster. What we can verify, however, are the hundreds of documented eyewitness accounts that begin in the early 1800s and still continue to this day. As the story of the creature spread, even grown men wouldn't dare venture out at night. It was said that the beast carried off large dogs, geese, cats, small livestock, and even occasional children. The children were never seen again, but the animal remains were often found. In 1740, five years after the birth of the alleged creature, the frightened residents of the Pine Barrens begged a local minister to exorcise the creature from the nearby land. The stories stated that the exorcism would last a hundred years. However, the monster returned to the Pine Barrens on at least two occasions before the end of the century. In 1800, Navy Commodore Stephen Decatur visited the Hanover Ironworks in the Barrens to test the plant's cannonballs. One day on the firing range, he noticed a strange creature flying overhead. Taking aim, he fired at the monster, and while some say that his shot struck it, the Devil continued on its path, seemingly unfazed. Around 1825, in Bordentown, New Jersey, former King of Spain Joseph Bonaparte, brother to Napoleon Bonaparte, spotted the Jersey Devil. Following Napoleon's defeat, Joseph Bonaparte went into exile in America. Joseph purchased 800 acres at Bordentown, New Jersey, because it was between the two great seaports of New York and Philadelphia. From this place, he could obtain the very latest news from France and Spain. As befitting royalty, Joseph built himself a lovely mansion, with beautiful landscaped grounds and plenty of parkland. One snowy afternoon, he was hunting alone in the woods near his house, when he spotted some strange tracks on the ground. They looked like the tracks of a two-footed donkey. Bonaparte noticed that one foot was slightly larger than the other. The tracks ended abruptly, as if the creature had flown away. He stared at the tracks for a long moment, trying to figure out what the strange animal might be. At that moment, Bonaparte heard a strange hissing sound. Turning, he found himself face to face with a large winged creature with a horse-like head and bird-like legs, Astonished and frightened, he froze and stared at the beast, forgetting that he was carrying a rifle. For a moment, neither of them moved. Then the creature hissed at him, flapped its wings, and flew away. When he reported the incident to a friend later that day, Bonaparte was told that he had just seen the famous Jersey Devil, who haunted the Pine Barrens ever since he was born to Mother Leeds One Dark and Stormy Night in 1735. Bonaparte was impressed by the story of the Jersey Devil, and therefore kept a lookout for the fabulous creature whenever he went hunting. He never encountered the Jersey Devil again. The most bizarre and well documented encounters occurred during the week of January 16th through the 23rd, in 1909. Early in the week, reports started emerging from all across the Delaware Valley that strange tracks were being found in the snow. The mysterious footprints went over and under fences, through fields and backyards, and across the rooftops of houses. They were even reported in the large cities of Camden and Philadelphia. Panic immediately began to spread, and posses formed in more than one town. Fear and intrigue grew even greater when it was reported that bloodhounds refused to follow the unidentified creature's trail in Hammonton. Schools closed or suffered low attendance throughout New Jersey and in Philadelphia. Mills in the Pine Barrens were forced to close when workers refused to leave their homes and travel through the woods to get to their jobs. Eyewitnesses spotted the beast in Camden and in Bristol, Pennsylvania, and in both cities. Police fired on it, but did not manage to bring it down. A few days later it reappeared in Camden, attacking a late-night meeting of a social club and then flying away. Earlier that day it had appeared in Haddon Heights, terrorizing a trolley car full of passengers before flying away. Witnesses claimed that it looked like a large flying kangaroo. Another trolley car full of people saw it in Burlington when it scurried across the tracks in front of their car. In West Collingswood it appeared on the roof of a house and was described as an ostrich-like creature. Firemen turned their hose upon it, but it attacked them and then flew away. The entire week, people reported that their livestock, particularly their chickens, were being slaughtered. This was most widespread in the towns of Bridgeton and Millville. In more recent years, an eyewitness by the name of Mary shared her experience. She says, This has haunted me since it happened in 1972. I was a senior at what was then Glassboro State College. I had heard about the Jersey Devil when I came to South Jersey, but being from North Jersey, a totally different world, I thought I was far too sophisticated to believe in such humbuggery. One winter night, I was driving to Glassboro from Blackwood on Green Tree Road. At the time, the road was flanked by orchards and farms. There were few houses, and there was hardly any development. I was completely sober and awake when I caught a glimpse of something in my rearview mirror. Curious as to what it could have been, I slowed down to take a gander. It was dark out, but moonlit enough that I had no trouble at all discerning the upright figure of a creature crossing the road from one side to the other, roughly 25 feet behind my car. The figure stood taller than a man by far, and had thick haunches, similar to a goat's, supporting its nearly human-looking torso and huge, woolly head. It moved heavily and didn't seem at all disturbed by my being there. I didn't linger long enough to see much more. I hit the gas and flew to the Mansion Park Apartments in the borough. So petrified was I that I slept the rest of the night in the car, unwilling to get out in the same darkness that had introduced me to the Jersey Devil. Never again from that day on have I ridden on Green Tree Road, day or night, that I haven't gotten the heebie jeebies just thinking about that winter night so long ago. The next eyewitness account comes from Keith, and he writes I spent a lot of time in the Pine Barrens when I was growing up in New Jersey and had my share of strange experiences. When I was about 13, I went camping alone near Hampton Furnace. I had a bow with me and went looking for a rabbit dinner about an hour before sundown. Something started following me back in the trees. It tailed me back to my camp and circled while I cooked my dinner. This kept up until about two hours after dark, and let me tell you, it was one dark night. I finally decided that my visitor had moved on and crawled into my tent. When I just started to calm down, I heard a foot stomp down right behind the tent. I got all set to jump out when this thing, whatever it was, started screaming. I would compare the volume of the scream to a large truck's horn. I couldn't decide what to do. I had my bow and knife, but they didn't seem like much. After several blasts, it just stopped. I didn't hear a sound, except my heart for about an hour. I was sure that if I stuck my head out of the tent, I'd lose it. In the morning, I could find no tracks in the pine needles. To this day, I still don't like sleeping in tents. I'd rather take my chances in the open." The next eyewitness account comes from Kelly, and she writes, "...as a native of Cape May County, I've had the typical rite-of-passage trip to the Pine Barrens, the legendary home of the Jersey Devil. This Jersey girl went to Cape May County Technical High School, which sponsored trips to the Pine Barrens for good grades in certain classes. I was one of the fortunate students to go three times during my four-year career at CMCT. Each time I went on this trip, my canoe was followed by a heavy-footed thing. With each step, I heard branches snap under its feet or hooves. Every ten minutes or so, I could hear deep, beastly growls that to this very day give me the creeps. Being in a canoe and on a class trip didn't afford me much opportunity to flee in terror, so I stuck it out for three years. Every year, it was the same. During my sophomore year, I was pretty confident about my canoeing skills, so I didn't look over my shoulder much. I went canoeing with a friend of mine, when he came across a bag that had been torn open and gone through. Around it were prints on the ground that looked something like a horse's hoof, only bigger. Then I heard it the cry that still haunts my dreams, part human, part beast, and full of anger. I nearly flipped the canoe. We left, leaving whatever it was out there, behind, or so I thought. It seemed to follow us. Every time we stopped or paused, it got closer to the river. We pushed on, then worse came to worse, as we tipped the canoe. I heard the thing running behind us, and thought for sure we were dead. Then we righted our canoe, and got into it as fast as humanly possible. We finally made it out to safety, sun-fried to a crisp, missing all of our valuables and most of our clothes, but never happier to be on shore. We packed up our bus and left. As we were leaving, I rested my head on the window and saw a little cottage. I looked at it until the bus was about to pass it and saw a woman. She looked back at me, and I could see her skin was torn and bleeding, After the bus passed, she vanished. Scared me so badly, I wouldn't go into the woods for a year. The last eyewitness account that I have today comes from Sunny Z. Sunny writes, Let me tell you of a sighting of the Jersey Devil. I was driving up Route 9 in Bayville at around 10pm. There were two cars in front of me, and we were traveling at about 35 miles per hour. To the right of Route 9 is a mini-mall-type building with woods behind it. To the left is all woods. All of a sudden I saw this big thing running across Route 9. It looked like one of the classic pictures of the Jersey Devil. It had no tail, no fur, its ribs showed, and it had a long, odd head with short ears that laid flat. It looked almost 10 feet tall. I noticed it because the first car stepped on its brakes as did the second car. When I looked ahead, I saw this thing galloping across Route 9 and straight into the woods. I was not really scared, because it didn't register yet. I stopped to mail something in the mailbox about 300 feet from the main road, and I saw a child's shirt, shorts, and one sneaker lying on the ground. I mailed my letter, ran into my car, and laid rubber all the way home. I was certain that what I had seen was the Druzy Devil. No one believes me. They say it was a deer. I have never seen a deer that big, that fast, or that weird looking in my life. What is really creepy is that the other two people driving in front of me stepped on their brakes, so they must have seen it too. I could go on telling you guys story after story. But unfortunately, this episode does have to end at some point. So, I just want to say that over the centuries, people have speculated on what they believe the Jersey Devil might actually be. Many think that the creature's anatomical features are completely ridiculous and would never be possible on a real animal. I would have to agree that the Jersey Devil does sport one of the oddest descriptions I've ever heard of. But just because I may think it's strange doesn't necessarily make it impossible. Some folks believe that it might be a feral human that may have some sort of birth defect. But if this is the case, why wouldn't more people be describing it as a humanoid-type creature? Many wildlife researchers say that people are seeing great horned owls. I've personally never seen an owl with a horse head before, but maybe that's just me. If you ask most skeptics, they'll be happy to tell you that the Drizzy Devil is simply a product of folklore and legend. That it's the power of the mind allowing you to see something that isn't really there. Now, in some cases, I can get on board with this theory, but it's hard for me to believe for many other reasons. First of all, I don't believe that people in general are ignorant. The folks that live in and around the Pine Barrens are accustomed to seeing and categorizing wildlife on a daily basis. Sure, some folks may be more prone to seeing something in a more dramatic way than others, but how do you account for the hundreds of sightings across three states when people were able to look at this creature for multiple minutes? We're all guilty of seeing something so briefly that our mind is left to fill in the gaps, but when you're able to stand and stare at something for an extended period of time, I find it difficult to dispute the eyewitness' claims. I know many people that believe the Jersey Devil is simply one of the longest-running hoaxes of all time. While I fully agree that a small percentage of the eyewitness encounters may have been hoaxes, I refuse to believe that this is the norm. People are seeing something that's unusual and frightening in the Pine Barrens, And they are genuinely scared. This alone is reason enough to investigate these claims. Guys, I really want to know what you have to say. If I have any listeners in the New Jersey area, please tell me what your experiences have been with the so-called Jersey Devil or Leeds Devil. I would love to hear from you and share your experience. That's all I have for this episode of the podcast. I am glad you guys were with me and I hope you enjoyed it. I am working on getting an interview lined up that is still in the making. Hopefully that will happen sometime this coming week. But until then, please leave any comments you have below, and please remember to click the follow and like buttons if you are enjoying the show. For questions or stories, go ahead and email me at mythicradio at gmail.com, or you can visit mythicradio.com and click on the Tell Your Story link. I hope to see you guys in the next episode. Until then, from all of us at Mythic Radio, thanks for listening, and remember, don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it.